Hello and welcome to the next instalment of SciFlix on Tune FM. Uh, I'm the host, Marissa Betts, and this week we've got Associate Professor Melissa Parsons joining us for River. So River's a documentary and we're screening it next Thursday, the 16th of June at 6pm. Um, welcome, Melissa. Thanks, Marissa. Great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so full disclosure, Mel and I work in the same corridor. <laughs> we do. Yes. It's great fun. <laughs> We're always sort of cruising past each other's office doors and having, I would say, pretty good water cooler chat. Um, and my recollection for um, organising River was that you came back from a trip or something and you kind of like you know, cruised past my office and said, hey, I've seen this really cool documentary and we should do it for SciFlix. Is that how it went? It did go like that, yeah. yes. I saw it um, when I was um, down in Canberra and I went to oh. see it and I thought that'd make a really good SciFlix. So what was it about the movie that made you think, yeah, we should do this one? It's just a beautiful movie uh, and it does bring together science with a whole lot of other aspects about rivers and that's what I liked about it. Uh, and so it's got really a nice science uh, talk to yeah. it, but also there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in that movie as well. Excellent. Um, yeah, so let's unpack the film in a bit. At the beginning, usually I ask the guests to sort of talk a little bit about them and their research. So um, what would you describe yourself as research-wise? A geographer? Yeah, look, I work in a geography department. I work yeah. in the Department of Geography and Planning, but I do call myself a river scientist. I have, a, you know, a background in river ecology. I did my PhD in river ecology and uh, I did an undergraduate degree with a really strong focus on water science. I did then a PhD in river ecology, looking at macroinvertebrates. Then I did a postdoc uh, in Kruger National Park in South Africa, looking at the response of one of the rivers there to uh, a really big flood that they had in um, in 2000. So I do call myself a river scientist. That's, um, look, I'm a paleontologist and um, I just get so overwhelmed by the, the river scientist aspect. Like there seems to be so many different things going on in, in that realm. You know, you're talking about um, the the processes happening after the floods in the in Kruger and then the macroinvertebrates and lots of other stuff going on. How do you kind of focus the research questions? Well, river science is really about everything coming together. So it's about looking at river systems. So it's about looking at not just the hydrology, uh, and you can specialise in in, in hydrology, you can specialise in biology, for example, fish biology, or you can specialise in ecology, uh, for ex or geomorphology, or uh, land use management, catchment management. But river science is really about bringing all of that together in thinking about rivers as systems that uh, are connected in a whole lot of different dimensions through space and time, and also thinking about the way that humans interact with rivers. That's really, uh, in a nutshell, what river science is. Oh, it's so multidisciplinary. It is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's very uh, multidisciplinary, and uh, the the kind of the the colleagues that I interact with regularly 
come from backgrounds that are really quite different, but we all have come together into this field of river science. And so um, what attracted you to this particular topic? Was it um, a mentor that you had or some kind of inspirational moment with a river um, in the past? Uh, look, I have to say I kind of fell into the river by accident. I um, <laughs> That's gold. I, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, when I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Canberra, we had a really strong uh, applied ecology and environmental science program. And so I, I kind of fell, in, fell into the river mm. because I really enjoyed doing the water science units. It was really uh, field-based and it was project-based, at least in, in, the, in the third year of the degree. So you really got to get your feet wet, got to go out, walk around in rivers, and it was just really interesting. And, and I saw how important uh, and, and, the, and the academics that were teaching me were also doing a whole lot of uh, important research in terms of uh, conservation and monitoring of rivers you know, in Kosciuszko National Park and in, you know, in all sorts of places. So I saw this as a potential career that could be really uh, important in terms of uh, conservation. And did you, um, I'm really curious about your experience in, in undergrad and beyond in terms of the places that you got to visit, like it, was it just in Kosciuszko or north, south? Murray, the Murray River. I'm always fascinated by the Murray River. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I've been really lucky in, um, in the rivers that I've been able to visit as part of my, both my undergraduate and also my, uh, my other research work. Um, I've been, uh, I did some work in Kosciuszko National Park, uh, because I was at the University of Canberra, we worked a lot on the rivers around Canberra, so the Murrumbidgee River, the Molongolo River. Then for my PhD, I did the whole of the Murrumbidgee River catchment, so that was right up into the Alpine areas, uh, just down to kind of Albury, that, that part of the, yeah. the upper Murrumbidgee catchment. Um, I was lucky enough to be involved in a project just after I finished my PhD with Professor Martin Toms, uh, which was looking at Cooper Creek and some of those really beautiful rivers in, in southern Queensland. So I spent some um, amazing uh, field time out around Cooper Creek and the Warrego and the Paru. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to go overseas to work in Kruger National Park on one of the rivers there. And... You know, at various times I've also been on the Mississippi River with colleagues uh, and, uh, you know, whenever you go to a river science cons conference, there's always a field trip to some sort of beautiful river. So uh, in New Zealand or in Germany, uh, in different places around the world. So I've seen some amazing sites. The field trips are always my favourite part of conferences. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, a little bit more about some of the research you're doing now. I know you um, also work a lot in disaster resilience. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so it's been a little bit of a transition. Mm. So when I worked, um, so, so it all sits under this umbrella of what's called resilience, when I worked in Kruger National Park, um, we were looking at the response of the Sabi River to uh, an extreme flood 
that occurred in, in the year 2000. So the question there was looking at uh, whether the river would actually be able to recover because it had gone, it, it had completely changed. There was a canopy of trees that, uh, that this river is about 100 metres wide. So there was a canopy of trees and you couldn't see to the other side, but the flood took out all those trees. So there was concern, but and it did that in a really patchy way. So in some areas, the trees survived. In other areas, uh, that they were washed away by the flood. So the concern of management in Kruger National Park was, do we need to intervene in river processes in order to uh, ensure that the river will um, re- respond and recover in the way that it is, it, it, that it should be within the, the bounds of natural variability. I see. So oh, I hmm. was a bit confused as to the resilience. That it's, so you're talking about the resilience of the river system itself. Sometimes I think about when I think about resilience, I think about people. Yeah, well, that's kind of the umbrella that I've then oh. used to step into the work that I'm doing now uh, about disaster resilience. Uh-huh. And of course, yep. floods are part of disaster resilience. Uh, Floods are one of the most important natural hazards that we face in Australia. So I've stepped sideways to do a little bit of social science and looking at uh, looking at disaster resilience. So that's... And communities that are affected by floods and things like that. Yeah, all natural disasters. So what are the characteristics of uh, resilience that, that you might see in communities around Australia? And did you, in this regard, did you um, tackle any of the, the aspects of the recent floods in northern New South Wales? Oh, not directly, uh, no, because uh, community-led recovery from a disaster is a really important concept and it's a really important part of, uh, of disaster resilience. But what my work has done is to, because uh, I... I um, I did the Australian Disaster Resilience Index. That, that's the work I've been doing for the last five years. And so this is the first national snapshot of disaster resilience around Australia. So that work informs a whole lot of things. Uh, it's, it's, it's being used by emergency service agencies and government agencies to inform things like recovery planning, uh, emergency planning, community policies, po- I guess policy development. Wow. Yeah, wow, yeah. feeds into everything. Yeah, so our resilience is a nice umbrella because yeah. resilience is about the capacity to absorb shocks and stresses, yeah, and with without uh, changing beyond some threshold state. So you can apply it to rivers, it, it, to ecology. You can apply it to social systems as well. You can imp- apply it um, to uh, uh, to land systems as well. Yeah, for sure. How um, I have a, I have this question forming in my mind about um, uh, so for example, if uh, floods are a kind of a natural process, um, and I guess that. In the past, as I am a paleontologist, I always think about things that happened in the in the past, especially the deep past, and how things have changed, and um, and I know that things don't stay the same forever. And so, if a, a disaster like a flood happens and things change a lot, is it important that it goes back to the exact same way it used to be? Good question. 
<laughs> Great question. Um, so let's go back to river science. Yeah, okay. D- rivers are disturbance-driven systems. Right. So, and that disturbance largely comes from from floods. There's a huge variation in hydrology in any river system around the world. And you occasionally get these extreme events. But the, uh, we, under a resilience perspective, uh there, there are a whole lot of characteristics of rivers which allow the river uh, to absorb that disturbance. Rivers change and change naturally. So there's, there's, there's change that is happening as a, as a result of natural processes of which flooding is one process. So rivers are changing all the time. They're changing in terms of... Uh, the amount of water that's in them, where they are in the landscape, they move around. So, you know, and some rivers in the world move around a lot within the landscape. They change from Australia's, some of Australia's rivers change from having no water to, to having water as a natural process. So um, there's bounds of what we call kind of natural variability. But what uh, is happening at the moment is that there's a lot of pressures on rivers We've changed a lot of things about rivers. We've changed to the point where some of those characteristics that allow rivers to absorb these shocks and stresses are no longer in place. So things like diversity, things like uh, natural uh, flow flow variation, connectivity between the floodplain and the river, we've changed all of that. And we so part of the research that I do and my colleagues do is to look at well, whether we've uh, reduced the resilience of rivers by reducing the, but but by the pressures that I are see. being put on onto rivers. I see. Yeah. So there's like, I guess, a human impacts and climate change sort of aspect to reducing resilience. I suppose in the natural system. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, rivers are pretty good at abs- they're like I said, they're disturbance driven. That's what drives their structure, their function. Their diversity, their uh, their the habitats that are in rivers, morphology, their, everything, everything. Yeah, uh, water shapes that that landscape, uh, and it's you know, it's constrained by some by the valley, by the shape of the valley, or and the geology. But largely, water shapes a river landscape. Okay, I I want to keep asking you questions about your research, but maybe we'll save that for the tea room. Um, so let's talk about the film. Um, all right. So River, the documentary, um, sounds absolutely perfect for you to talk with next week at the cinema. Um, what do I know about the Because I haven't seen it yet. So um, it's directed or, or made by a filmmaker, Jennifer Pedham, who, who did – uh, a similar film called Mountain. I don't know if you've seen Mountain. Um, I did actually see Mountain when it came out several years ago. And if River is anything like Mountain, I'm sure it will be absolutely visually stunning. Um, but it's the River has also apparently uh, been written by a an author, um, a Robert McFarlane, and. Um, He's a very um, well-respected natural history writer, so I think I'm really looking forward to that combination of the Peter, Peter McFarlane combination. I think that surely can only be a winner. Um, but 
In terms of uh, an, an audience's uh, uh, perspective, um, what would you really like people to get out of this documentary, River? Yeah, gr- great question. Uh, I've seen it, and and I, what what I think I want people to get out of the uh, of the documentary is a relationship with rivers. Uh, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but this film is meditative. It's beautiful. And so as uh, you know, people are perhaps watching it, is to think about, is to let your mind go uh, away from the facts that are being spoken about in, through the narration of the film and just let yourself develop a relationship with what you're seeing on the screen. What does it mean for you? Because that's a really important part of what the film is about is it's talking a lot about what we call social ecological systems. Rivers are social ecological systems. People have been interacting with rivers for forever. Rivers are a really important part of human society and human society influences rivers. So when we talk about uh, pristine rivers and restoring rivers to a pristine condition, we're often not able to do that because of these relationships that are occurring between societies and rivers. So I guess my, you know, what, what I'd like people to think about or, or to just meditate on as they're watching and listening and, and feeling the, this, the, this movie is what's your relationship with rivers? And maybe to... I would imagine people would come away thinking a bit differently about maybe or if they go and see a river next, you know, maybe they would think a bit differently about how it works or the impacts that local communities might have on it or the way that ecology has changed depending on um, the kind of human impacts that have been around. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, We often think about what we do to rivers, and 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 that that is an important conversation that we need to have within society. Do they address that in the film? Uh, they do. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, footage of the types of impacts that we're having. But the other thing that I thought was great about the film, there's also a lot of footage about the relationships that we have with rivers and rivers have shaped societies. Yeah. Have a look at the footage from the Ganges River oh, of course. in in India. Yeah. There's a lot of um, ways that rivers have shaped us, mm-hmm. as well as ways that we've shaped rivers. Yeah. Culturally, and, I imagine, very very important. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's all about how we value rivers, how and uh, how society decides about how to translate those values into the protection, use and management of rivers around the world. Um, are there any themes that you wish they'd brought out more? Like if you, from a river scientist perspective, did you leave wanting in any way? I did a little bit, oh. <laughs> I must admit. <laughs> from a science perspective, uh, I thought they've privileged a lot of river types mm. that are in tropical and temperate river types. And I know as a scientist that there's a lot more types of rivers uh, around the world. I think there was one or two photos of uh, or shots of uh, the Darling River, uh, which is 
an arid river, but actually a lot of rivers uh, around the the world, anywhere kind of in the southern hemisphere, we're dominated by arid and and ephemeral river types. Ephemeral rivers means that sometimes they flow and sometimes they don't, and that's a natural process. So uh, they've they and they've they've privileged a lot of beautiful shots of braided rivers. Sure, braided rivers tend to occur where there's a lot of water. Yes. Um, so it's, they're beautiful to look at. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're the ones that they're like, um, is it high sediment flow or something as well, or high sediment load? Mm. Um, mm. And they, they have these amazing anastomosing sort of streams that come in and out. But they change a lot, don't they? Like, Yeah, they're, they're, they're changing on an hourly basis sometimes <laughs> or on a, on a daily basis. So um, braided rivers tend to occur where uh, there's a lot of water to move all, all of that sediment around. Yeah. So New Zealand and yeah. uh, some places in the, in the US have, have braided rivers and they're, they're really, they make beautiful scenery. They're beautiful, yeah. Scenery. <laughs> the, so, yeah, that's interesting that you say that about um, the arid rivers as well. And those may be the ones that I'm most familiar with because I do a lot of field work, you know, in um, – in central Australia, um, in the Flinders Ranges. And my goodness, you know, we do work in some of these gorges that are so, I mean, they can only be carved by water, but the water must come through so rarely. I've never seen uh, any flowing ever, um, but the boulders in them are so enormous um, and that they must have been moved downstream somehow. I just think that's absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, so there's probably you know there's a whole history of landscapes in Australia, and 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 in the past some of Australia has been shaped by mega floods. Uh, so I know you're interested in in that that longer time scale. Uh, so th- there's a lot of different processes that have happened to shape landscapes in Australia, and at one stage, um, water was part of that. It's not so much part of that that now, but uh, these. Um, these channels do flow and when they flow, they'll come to life. And there's a whole lot of organisms kind of just waiting in that system to come to life when when there is a a flow of water. So it would have been really nice to see some of these kinds of rivers represented in the film, do you think? Yeah, except imagine having a film about rivers – with some rivers that don't have any water in them. (laughs) (laughs) So I can see it would have been quite a conundrum for the producers or the director to say, we uh, we don't want to show that. There there is one or two uh, Mm. spots in there. So look out for those. They could have just, you know, scripted Willem Dafoe, the narrator, to talk about, you know, what you've just said about the ephemeral arid rivers, you know, I don't think it would have been that hard. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so uh, the the music's great in the oh, film as well. Yes, it's course. very meditative. Yeah. Uh, so as I said before, uh, just kind of relax Let into go. this film and go with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's last... a bit zen. Yeah, it is. it's going to be very zen. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, okay, so, yeah, and without giving too much away, what was your favourite aspect of the film, your favourite aspect? I, the beauty. I, I was really blown away and I came, walked out of there going, I have such a, a, a great career that I have actually seen some of these places 
in real life. How wonderful to sort of, um, yeah, kind of a, an affirmation of the things that you've done. Yeah, yeah. But it was also, it's got a, uh, a an underlying strong message to it mm-hmm. as well. So, but really what I walked away from is, wow, I'm so lucky. Well, I think we're very lucky to have you talk with the film next week, Mel. So um, I'm looking forward to it a lot. So thanks for joining us today on Tune. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thanks, Marissa.